Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I used to work at Wind Creek State Park in Alabama. The park is a fairly popular park that sits on the edge of Lake Martin, which is a massive reservoir on the Tallapoosa River. I had a lot of good times patrolling that campground as a park ranger, but you don't want to hear about that now, do you? So. Let me tell you about the time that I encountered a creature that came from that lake. It was July of 2006. The night was hot as hot as a tropical rainforest. And as humid as one too. We had just had a series of harsh thunderstorms roll in. And I was making my rounds around my section of the park check on the campers staying in the park, just making sure that no one was hurt by fallen tree branches or anything else. We do get a bit of flooding, but I wasn't overly concerned about that just yet, as the lake's levels were fairly low for this time of the year. I was near a place that we call the Tower, which was actually a former grain silo built before it was a state park back in 1915. Visitors usually climb the spiral staircase and take pictures of the lake from the top of it. And that night, in the thick humid air, a bit of rainy haze obscured most of the tower, and a dense fog was settling at the water's edge. I was approaching the structure to make sure no one was on it. Now, we sometimes catch kids up in the tower drinking and, well, sometimes even fucking. And that's when I heard a scream come from behind me somewhere in the campsite that I had just checked. I quickly ran back to the campsite, only to find a family was missing one of their boys. A young boy, age 11, had gone missing just moments before I heard the mother scream. More frighteningly, there was a smear of dark red blood on the camper's door. Now, this must have been 11 or so at night, and the rest of the family was asleep. The only way the mother knew was when she got up to use the bathroom she noticed the boy was missing. I radioed my other ranger who was patrolling the trails way to the north of us at the time. 
it would have taken him at least an hour to get back to my location, so I decided to search the immediate area in the meantime. No need to call the Stadies just yet, as it usually took them a couple of hours to get here anyway. It would be a big waste of time for them to come out here and just find the kid on the playground or something. But the blood, you're probably wondering. You see, after talking to the family, I took my flashlight out and shone it on the blood-stained door. Turns out, it wasn't blood after all, but a very dark red clay that you can sometimes get from the lake shore if you look hard enough. But this just wasn't some smear of clay. It was a symbol. It was a crescent moon with two dots to the right of it. I had no idea, and I still don't really, know what exactly it meant. But it sure was interesting. I started looking at the ground for more clues when I came across a set of footprints leading up to the camper and going towards the forest near the edge of the lake. Now, when I say footprints, these weren't just any footprints. These were huge animal tracks of some sort. Clawed feet, with a strange line in between them, left impressions in the mud. I followed them to the edge of the forest, and when I got there, I noticed in the corner of my eye a slithering, silverish, scaly mass slide into the lake from the shore. Now, it was hazy and dark, but my flashlight is a beast, and I know what I saw. We did have some alligators in Lake Martin that summer, but this was no alligator that I've ever seen. Alligators are not silver, and they couldn't make the tracks like I had seen. These tracks had heels like a human. I ran over to the shore where I had just noticed the creature and shone my light into the water. There was a lot of bubbling, and then there was a lot of blood in the water. I stood there, dumbstruck at what this could be. And then, a piece of clothing started floating to the surface. Well, right then and there, I ran in and grabbed it, wondering what the hell was going on. I looked at the clothing and sure enough, it was a piece of the shirt that the little boy was wearing when he went missing. I immediately called the state police and the local dive recovery teams to search the lake. By the time the morning rolled around, half the county and a good 30 police and search and rescue were scouring the section of the lake where I thought that maybe the boy had gone missing. And, well, they found his socks, but, sadly, nothing else. I didn't stick around that job too long as I really wanted to get up to Yellowstone, and soon after that incident, I accepted that job. But my buddy Willie, the other ranger that was on the trail that night when this all happened, said that another young kid went missing two months after, and they found another crescent moon smear with three dots to the right of it.
I'm not sure what it all means or even what the creature was, but I sure as hell wouldn't be surprised if another kid goes missing and they find that damned crescent moon with four dots next to it. Anyway, a few years later, I visited the Wind Creek State Park and some of my search and rescue buddies down in that area. The one diver, his name is Tim. Well, he told me that during one of his dives for the second kid, he dove into an area that used to be a town. For those who don't know, when they made this reservoir, they flooded two towns doing so. Anyway, most of the structures under the water have degraded with time. But Tim saw something on one of the old buildings that was still intact. He saw that damned crescent moon symbol on an old church door. As far as I know, they're still investigating the disappearances. And well, for me, I never did go back. In 2007, I was working on a trail crew in the Trinity Alps of Northern California. We had 13 people on the crew and a few support staff. At this point, we'd been in the woods for about two and a half months. We had all seen and heard bears, mountain lions, and pretty much anything you could think of that would make terrifying noises. After dinner one evening, most of us are sitting around the fire doing whatever, and all of a sudden, there's a loud, agonizing scream sound. It was unlike anything any of us had heard, and if I had to describe it, I'd call it a mountain lion's shriek, combined with the horror of a banshee. Everyone was understandably freaked the hell out. It sounded reasonably close, so a few of us, and myself included, we decided to investigate. After three miles from our base camp, there was a creature tied to a tree, absolutely losing its mind. It was a fucking llama. At this point, it's 10 o'clock at night or so, 25 plus miles from the nearest trailhead. And we find this llama tied to a tree just off the trail. And we tried to calm it down without much success and went back to the camp. The next morning, the llama was gone. It looked like it had broken its restraint and run off. We kept hearing the horrible llama noises from time to time for a few weeks though. Towards the end of the season, a group of hunters passed us on the trail, and after chatting for a bit, we found out they tied the llama there, because it decided to be stubborn and refused to walk anymore. Apparently, it laid down in the trail and would not move, so they left it and decided to come back for it. We figured at that point, the llama was probably dead. We hadn't heard any hellacious llama screams for a few months, and didn't really think about it. However, at the end of the season, 
when we all finally got back in the crew van and were driving out. That damn llama jumped across the road about 30 yards in front of us. I still think about that demon llama from time to time. I hope he had a fulfilling life in the Trinities. This happened to myself and a close friend just last month. We decided to go on a two-night backpacking slash camping trip in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. We're both very comfortable with nature, spend a lot of time camping, and hunting, and fishing. And my buddy was actually a park ranger in New Jersey, so he just loved being out in the wilderness. We hiked about five miles to a small lake and set up camp on a small beach. This was not a heavily trafficked area, and we did not expect to run into anyone. Our first night there, as we were sitting around the fire, we saw a flashlight moving on the other side of the lake around 10.30 at night. This was fairly unusual. However, we did not think too much of it. But as time went on, this flashlight kept moving around the lake, getting closer to our campsite. We kept discussing who could possibly be wandering around the woods in the middle of the night, and we did not particularly want an unwelcomed guest. Once it was clear that the person or people were heading for our campsite, we moved off into the woods nearby to see who wandered up. I took a small axe with me, and my friend, the park ranger, well, he had a 22 rifle. Now, we weren't expecting trouble, and we certainly didn't want to make any, but we figured we might as well cover our bases. Now, the moment of truth. The flashlight comes near the light of our fire, and it is one man. He has a beard, and is probably in his mid-forties. The scary part was, he was carrying what turned out to be a pump-action shotgun. He walked around the campsite a few times, and then proceeded to enter our tent. After rummaging around for a minute or so, he came out and started yelling. I know you're out there. Why don't you come and say hello? My friend and I remained motionless under a hemlock tree about 50 yards away. And that's when the man proceeded to fire his shotgun into the woods, actually not too far from where we were standing. He also swung his flashlight around several times. After what felt like hours, he grabbed my friend's backpack and a few articles of clothing we had drying off near the fire and threw them in to burn. My friend, who had trained the twenty-two rifle at the man, asked me if he should shoot. I told him absolutely not unless he spots us and starts to point the gun in our direction. Thankfully, 
The man moved off from where he had come from after a little while. We waited until his flashlight was on the other side of the lake, ran out, grabbed everything we could fit in my pack, and took off. And this was 3 o'clock in the morning. We ran out the trail with our flashlights, and we made it back to the car as the sun was coming up. We immediately went to the police department and reported it, and we also spoke with some forest rangers, and that was it. I haven't heard anything back from the police or the rangers. It wasn't mysterious. However, it creeped the hell out of both of us. Another ranger and I were out on a search and rescue call once. The missing person was a man in his twenties. He had gone hiking and had not returned the day that he intended to. When we got the call, it was a nightmare. But we hiked in a few miles and set up camp on a ridge and it had a pretty good view. We had gone into the woods prepared, so we decided to wait until daylight before beginning the search. About two in the morning, I get up and I'm taking a piss when I see a moving light at the base of the cliffs across the valley, probably a mile away. It looked like a flashlight beam. I tell the other ranger and we make the decision to keep waiting for daylight. The next morning, we decide to go check out the area and bring this guy home. We get to approximately where I saw the light the night before and start calling his name. Soon, we find his body at the base of the cliff. He had fallen 60 feet on his head and the body was badly mangled. We radioed back that this was now become a recovery instead of a rescue. At this point, the other ranger yells to me to come look at this. Laying 20 feet from the man's body was his maglite. It seemed odd, but I thought nothing of it until the other ranger reminded me of the light the night before. It kind of gave me the creeps, but I still dismissed it. Before too long, the coroner arrived and inspected the body. After he took the body back to the lab, he said that the man had been dead for at least 48 hours before we found the body. All of a sudden, the oh shit alarm went off in my brain. I knew that it couldn't be possible. I had the coroner review his work. Same result. I tried to find an explanation for the light I had seen perhaps other hikers, but one search and rescue guy had stayed at the only trailhead in the area all night. No one had come or gone. To this day, I have no clue what I saw that night, but it still freaks me out though. Now, 
This is not my story, but it's from an old ranger supervisor of mine that I believe completely. This was back in 2004 or so, Hell's Canyon area of Middle Idaho. His crew had been working all day on an emerging incident, and were going to be working through the night as well. Being the second in command, he was out ahead scouting on an ATV. He was working his way down a logging road that clearly had not been used in some time when a bobcat appears in the middle of the road, but doesn't run away as they usually would. The thing stands there for a good 10 seconds, screams at him, and scampers up a tree not five feet off the road. He finds this odd, but not particularly unsettling. Just a half a mile or so down the road, he finds a small cabin. Also odd, as this is federal land, and no private structures should be there. Upon investigation, all the windows had been boarded shut tight, and someone had done a good job of doing so. The door had been punched out and secured to a hole drilled into the log frame by a chain. Someone did not want anything getting in or out. Peering through the hole in the door, he could see that everything in the house is upset. This has him kind of unsettled, so he hops on his ATV and heads back up the road. Well, here's where it gets real interesting. Right where the bobcat had been, there stands a Native American woman in a badly tattered nightgown and bare feet, and she's just standing there. He yells at her, asking if she needs help, and she just screams at him. The same scream as the cat from before. And she climbs right up the tree, faster than any human has the right to be climbing. Obviously, he gets out of there as fast as he can, unsure of who or what he just saw. He asks a local guy about the cabin. After asking around a little, a local Native American hears them talking and informs that they saw a pumawa. In effect, a skin changer, or sometimes called a warg. Now, I would not believe most people that tried to tell me that, but this was a serious man that did not fuck around about many things. He was dead serious the two times I've heard him tell it, and I'm a hundred percent sure he believed what he saw. <laughs>